Tonight I want to talk to you about grace and truth. Now when we talk about grace and truth, and particularly grace, some people get nervous. So I don't want you to be nervous. So I have not brought my own opinion, I just brought God's word about it. So I think we can trust him, that he has an idea about grace and, and truth. You know, he is a God of truth. So we're going to study these things in a very basic way, but every time I go into the scripture to study something, I come back to this very same principle about grace and truth. And it says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So that's an important statement. You know, a lot of things in the Bible are very clear and very simple. We don't have to really make them complicated. And so we can just go on very easily and accept what God has to say for us. So why would it be that Jesus brought us grace and truth if it wasn't important for us to know about? So I want to spend a little time talking about it tonight. Well, don't tell me it's not going to do its thing. There we go. So in Proverbs it says, "Let mercy and truth for let not mercy and truth forsake you, but bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart." So obviously we need to be well inversed in, in in studying and understanding this basic principle, because our lives have to be led by the truth, and that's one of the challenges that we have in the last days is to make sure we stay faithful to God's truth and his word. This is going to be hard for me to read those from back there. You probably read them easier up here. So we all know John's gospel. We all know some of these scriptures, but there's so much in them that we pass over them very easily because we're familiar with them. But they're really full of some very powerful statements. So the word of God became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. He actually became a man so that he would be the son of man, so that he could do the things that the Son of Man could only do. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father. How many times did Jesus tell them, I came from the Father, if you knew Him, you would know me. And the people that He interfaced with didn't accept the fact that He came from the Father, that He was sent from the Father, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him, and he cried out, This is the one I spoke about when I said, Who comes after me uh, surpasses me because he was before me. And out of his fullness we have received grace in place of grace, or as some translations say, grace upon grace. And for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So we have to understand that. And one of the things that God is called me to do is to teach that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who will sit on the throne of David and rule and reign. And it's the promise that God gave to David that his kingdom would, be, would have an everlasting kingdom. In Isaiah 16, 5, it says, When God established one of David's descendants as king, he will rule with mercy and truth. He will always do what is just and be eager to do what is right. So, Everything about Jesus is going to be truth. And everything about Jesus is going to be grace. And you don't get the truth without the grace, and you don't get the grace without the truth. And the problem that's been going on in different places is people teach grace with no truth. Or they teach truth with no grace. 
And so we have both. And so we want to look at it from that perspective. In fact, Jerusalem in Zechariah, Jerusalem is called the city of truth. And that's where he's going to rule and reign. That's where Jesus is going to set up his throne. And he's going to rule with righteousness from that city, in the city of truth. There's many, many scriptures that I didn't put in this because we didn't have the time. But there's many scriptures that tell us that he is the God of truth. So this is one from Psalm 31 and 5. It says, into your hand I commit my spirit, for you have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. And then in Deuteronomy, he said, he is the rock. His work is perfect. For all of his ways are justice, a God of truth, and without injustice, righteousness, righteous and upright is he. So we see the Bible is clear. And no matter what translation that you would go to, including the original languages, you're going to end up with the same truth. All right, this is not just an interpretation. Now, not too long ago, we heard a great word about the fact that Jesus has given us his word and the importance of his word. And before we go any further tonight, I want you to understand that you can't get too much of God's word. And so that has to take priority in our lives. And there's a lot of things we're going to go through tonight that we can go through very quickly. But unless you stop and spend some time and think about it, it won't make a difference. Well, I've been a teacher for a long time. And one of the things that happen when I go in the clinic is I see someone doing something, I have this thought. Who taught them how to do that? Because what they're doing makes no sense. The bad part is when the answer to that question is you did, <laughs> then you have to stop and think. Because showing a PowerPoint and talking to people doesn't change people. And coming to church doesn't change you. As Nona reminds me all the time, just because you're in the cookie jar doesn't make you a cookie. <laughs> and so we have to have real change in our life. So all you're going to get tonight is some things to think about and some things to meditate on and some things to study. And if you don't go and do that, then it's a waste of time. And so we have to take in God's word. And so summing up that whole message about the fact that Jesus gave us the word of God is that all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture. So that includes from cover to cover. All right. And there are different parts of the scripture that teach us different things for different reasons. As an example, if you study in Hebrews, it says that if there wasn't anything wrong with the Old Covenant, there wouldn't have been a New Covenant. That doesn't mean we don't read the Old Testament. That doesn't mean we don't apply those principles. That doesn't mean there's a, everything in the Old Testament was written for us as an example so we would learn from them. So there's many things we can learn. God hasn't changed. He's not any different in the Old Testament. There's grace and truth in the Old Testament, just as there's grace and truth in the New Testament. Okay, so it's not like that. It's not like, like it's gone away with from that standpoint, but we're no longer under the law, as we'll see. Okay, I didn't write that. Okay? So all Scripture is given by God, and it's profitable for doctrine. So if we're going to be in the last days and we have to worry about doctrine that's not correct, then we have to know what the Word of God says. And you have to study all of God's Word so that you understand some of the things that are going on. So here's a truth. 
God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So in that statement, there's both grace and truth because we didn't deserve for Jesus to come and do what he did. For we read in the earlier scriptures, God so loved the world, right, that he sent his only son. So it was the love of God that caused him to do that, but it's not because we deserved it. Right? And that's what grace is. Grace is mercy. Grace is unmerited favor. But there's a truth that goes along with that. And the truth is that Jesus took our sin. And so if we don't take the truth along with the grace, we miss the whole thing. In Romans 3.21, it says this, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. To which the law and the prophets testify. The Old Testament prophesy and tell us of this righteousness that's been made known. A righteousness of God. Not a righteousness of man, but one of God. This righteousness was given through faith. You know, we could have a whole night on faith. We have to talk about faith. We have to talk about love. We have to talk about truth. We have to talk about grace. We don't have the time to talk about all that. That has to come in pieces and put together so we understand how they work together. Through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, not for everyone, not for everyone, but to those who believe. You see, there's a condition, there's a way, there's a truth, there's a grace, but to access that grace and to access that truth, we have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ through faith. And there's no difference whether you're Jew or not, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, there's a truth. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we focus on that. But along with that, we need to have that grace. So where did I get this idea that we're to have some grace in what we do? Well, in Colossians 4 and 5 and 6, it says this. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your, conf- your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. There's your grace and your truth. So when we interface with the world, we have to interface in love. We have to interface with that grace, but it's the grace as defined in the gospel. It's the grace that says you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the grace that said he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. It's this grace and this truth together that lead us into that relationship with the Lord so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, we could spend the whole night talking about this one issue, as I mentioned earlier. This is another one of those things where you have to go and study and you have to think on this and you have to have the Spirit of God leading you on how you interact with outsiders that don't know the Lord. And as you pray... And as you get closer to God, you're going to find more opportunities in your daily walk to interface with people that weren't happening before. How did that all of a sudden happen? It happened because as you walk with the Lord, those opportunities will be brought forth in your life and you'll, you'll, you'll be able to make a difference in their, in their lives because of what you can share with them. So we all know John 3.16. We all know that God so loved the world and he gave us his son. But if we read further into this, there's some very strong truths, again, that are, a lot of times we gloss over them. So God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. He sent 
Jesus to save the world. Jesus said, I came to save that which was lost, and I came to destroy the works of the devil. And what was the work of the devil but to separate man from God? That's what death really is. And to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already. There it is. There is the truth of the matter. You have to believe on the Lord. And that's one of the reasons why the world is so upset with us. Because we're not going to say, well, you can believe what you want and do what you want, and it's all the same. But we say, no, there's only one way. There's only God's way. And so that grace has to be seasoned with truth, and that truth has to be seasoned with grace. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son, Jesus the Messiah. And so that becomes the heart of the issue. So why am I going over all these things that you already know? Because in the last days, people aren't going to be satisfied with the pure word of God. And sometimes we need to go back to the simple basics of the gospel, the simple basics of the truth of God's word, until it becomes so much a part of us that we understand that, that we can really walk in love and still say, but you have to believe in Jesus because he's the only one that took our sins. He's the only one that could do it. He was the only Lamb of God. He was the only one without sin who could be the sacrifice that was necessary in order for us to become righteous. And everything that we have, we have it in him. And no other way. And that's why he said, I am the way. There isn't another way. He is the only way. Well, now, if God were really God, he'd be more open-minded, right? So we're telling God how to be God. The creation is telling the creator how to be. Who are we to say that? But God has his way. And see, God is holy, and he's not going to change, and his ways are not our ways. And so he's given us the way. He sent his son, and he gave us the way. Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth. That means that anything other than that is not the truth. We're going to talk about truth and lies tonight a little bit as we get into this. And I am the life. You know, the Father said, I have life in me, and I've given life to Jesus to give to whoever he will. No one comes to the Father but by me. So what, how did this all start? It all started in the garden when the serpent lied to Eve. And what happened when... The serpent lied to Eve as they died. They become separated from God. And that's when corruption entered the world. Okay? So the reason I have gray hair is because of corruption. Okay? Because I have pictures of earlier on. And I wasn't as corrupted as I am now. And the outside. But I'm less corrupted on the inside. That's another whole story. So... The body is, is like the grass that withers and dies. Well, how did that enter in? How did all this corruption enter in? It entered in with the lie, with the crooked way, not the straight way. And so the serpent deceived Eve. And that's what she said, right? The husband, he blamed her. And she said the serpent deceived. And then God said, because you did this, these are the consequences of walking in a lie. Because God is a God of truth, and in him there's no darkness. And so when the lie comes, it separates us from God. 
And so that's a key element to understand that from the very beginning, the whole situation was based upon a lie. And so now, in the last days, when things come in, they're more subtle. You know, Satan doesn't appear with horns and a red dagger and, and a spear and say, here I am. It all comes in and something that almost sometimes looks good, but it's not. So if we turn to Ephesians chapter 4, there's an important scripture in here. It's called the old life and the new life, starting in verse 17. And I'm going to read it here briefly. It says, therefore, this I say and testify in the Lord that from now on you walk not as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, having their understanding darkened, excluded from the life of God through the ignorance that was within them due to the hardness of their hearts. Being callous, they have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and with greediness. So there's a picture of what happens when people walk in a lie. Over time, And that's what happened in the days of Noah. People had moved away from God so far that they were involved in everything that was ungodly. And so man was in rebellion to God, cut off from God, going his own way, deeper into darkness, following Satan the liar. But then in verse 20 it says, But you didn't learn about Jesus in this manner. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off the former way of life in the old nature or the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new nature or the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. So those are two people in the Bible you need to know a lot about, and that's the old man and the new man. Because you're all dealing with the old man and the new man. But the Bible has an answer for us. It tells us to put off the old man. And if we look in the Greek, it, it says the lusts of deceit. There's that word deceit. There's that word lie again. Okay? So it tells us to put off the former way of life and the old nature, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. But actually it says the lusts of deceit. And then in the new man, it talks about the fact that we're created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. In the original Greek language, it says the holiness of the truth. So there we have that truth again. There's this conflict between the lies of Satan and the truth of God. All right? So the old man is the product of lies. The old man is a product of deceit. But the new man is a product of the truth. And that's very important for you to understand that. And we're going to talk more about what the Word of God says about these, the old man and the new man and how we're to respond as Christians in the last days and in all of our lives as we, as we work on these issues with God. So in Romans, we know what happened when it talks about what happened in the world, that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creation instead of worshiping the creator, and the results of all that, and it lists it all down there in Romans, of all the things that came about when people didn't follow the truth of God but exchanged it for a lie and worshiped the creation so all of this is the same, whether you study it here or there. It has the same outcome. All right? And so that brings us to the question, then, how should we then live during these last days? And so it's very important because people say, well, you know, I'm just that way. You know, I lose my temper. I'm just that way. Or I do this or I do that or, or whatever. 
you know, whatever excuse they can make for their behavior. And then we have the other side that said, well, you know, if you just tried harder, you could be good. All right. And the harder you try, the less gooder you are. That's pretty much the way it goes. And so we need to find out what God says about how we're to grow in the things of God. All right. And so we know that the Bible is clear. We know that the message of grace is not a license to sin. So we have to deal with this sin issue, and we have to deal with this old man issue and find out what's really true. All right, shall we continue in sin? No. Now look in verse 3, it says, don't you know? Now just take that out of context for a minute. Here's the word of God, the spirit of God saying, don't you know? Are you ignorant that you don't know this? I mean, it's pretty clear, right? You know, I want to go in the clinic when they're doing something like that. I say, don't you know? That's not the way to do that. It's not going to work. As many as were baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into his death. What does it mean to be baptized into the death of Christ? It means that when he died, we died. That means when he rose, we rose. We are in him. All right? We were buried with him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead for the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. For we have been united together in the likeness of his death, and we have been united in the likeness of his resurrection. So we know that Christ was raised from the dead. We just celebrated that a few weeks ago. Death has no more dominion over me. For death that he died, he died to sin. The death that Jesus died, he died to sin for us, once for all. Yes. That's, an, that's a fact. That's a historic fact. All right? And the life he lives now, he lives to the Father. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. It says, likewise, like Jesus, like Jesus, to be like him, you also reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. Yes. So what does it mean to reckon yourself? Reckon yourself means you, that's the way you decide. It's an it's a act of faith. Right? When you got born again, you had to actually do that by faith. Everything we do in, the, in, the, in our lives with God is by faith. And we have to reckon that we're dead to sin. What does it mean to be dead to sin? Okay? To be dead to sin means sin has no more pull on you. It means you, you're not... You, so you look at a dead person. All right, now, I hesitate here because of certain things, but I'm just going to say if you're dead... You know, you're not, you're not going to go and do the things that God doesn't want you to do because you're dead. Sin no more has a pull on you anymore because you're dead. I mean, literally, physically dead. There's no sin that's enticing you in any way. And the Bible says we're to reckon ourselves dead to sin. So when you're tempted to do something that you know you shouldn't be doing, you need to stand on faith and reckon yourself dead to sin. And stand on what the word of God says. When we have sickness in our body, we know that by his stripes we are healed. And so we say, I know I'm experiencing this symptom, but I know that in God I'm healed. So I'm going to stand on God's word. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to stand on God's word when you're tempted. All right? And you have to, to, to speak what he says about it. But we're not only dead to sin, but we're alive to God. Not only are we dead to sin, but we have the living God in us through the Holy Spirit. 
Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, and you should obey its laws. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Romans says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, that's a physical thing. We could go all night on that. It's a spiritual thing. We could go all night on that. But God wants us to surrender ourselves to him completely. Spirit, soul, and body. So it's a historical fact that the old man, the sin nature, died when Jesus died. Now, I was brought up in a different environment than Pentecostal environment. So I don't know all the good things and bad things about all the different denominations. But I know one thing. The way I was taught to deal with sin was that every week I had to go to the priest and confess my sin. And I can tell you from personal experience it didn't do any good. Because the next week I just got and do the same things over again. And we can be in churches and we can have that same experience. Unless there's a change from the inside out. See, the problem with the law is the law changes you from the outside in. Don't do this, don't do that. But God wants to change us from the inside out. So I don't know why you're here tonight. Hopefully you're not here out of condemnation. Hopefully you're here because you love the Lord. Hopefully you'll be here because you want to hear God's word. And you heard what was said this morning. You heard what was said last week. You want the spirit of God. You want to be the anointing. You want to be close to God. You want the word to be prime in your life. And you've decided to do something about it. And that's where we need to be. Because things are going to get interesting. But the sin nature has to be dealt with. And there's only one solution to the old nature and to the old man. There's only one solution that God has for that. And that's execution. He doesn't bring them to church. He doesn't teach them Bible lessons. He doesn't try to reform them. He just executes them. And it happened when Jesus died on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross... When Jesus died on the cross, you died. When Jesus died on the cross, the old man died. The old man died. And so you have to accept that by faith. You have to operate that in faith. That's where the power comes to deal with that. Well, it would be easier if it wasn't by faith. It would be easier if I could see it. Everything we do in, the, in, in our walk with God is by faith. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we have to get into the word so that we build up our faith. So in the midst of that, we can stand on God's word. So sin shall not have dominion over us for not under law, but we're under grace. If you read what Jesus said about grace, he said the the law says this, but I say this. The law says you shouldn't murder. I'm saying you shouldn't call somebody a fool. Well, I'm in deep trouble because I was driving my car the other day and one of those guys that was driving the other car wasn't doing very well. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he's talking about the attitude of our hearts. He's talking about something from the inside. All right. So the, the, the time is coming when it says God, that we're going to worship God in truth and in spirit. That's going to come from our personal walk with the Lord. This is good that we're here. God tells us to be here. God tells us to get together and to support each other and to be here. But this isn't all there is. Okay, we have to have that personal growth. 
that personal walk with God, that personal relationship with God. Just like in the beginning when you came to the Lord, right? We have to grow up in the Lord. We have to fall in love with Him. We have to do all the things that, that we heard this morning that we need to do because without that, our relationship isn't real. And that means we have to spend time with Him. But we're a busy group. The world that we live in is a busy place. And there's so many things you know, that draw our attention away from where we need to spend time with the Lord. And it doesn't have to be any kind of a regimented sort of a thing. It needs to be a real relationship with God. First Peter chapter 1 says, Since you've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. So I want to spend just a few minutes talking about corruptible seed and incorruptible seed. Because the Bible teaches us that if you, if you know the Lord, that the new man, it says, it says that you won't sin. That you can't sin. And we all know that we can. At least if you're like me. And I would venture to say that's a pretty safe statement, that we've all, since we've been born again, sinned. Why is that? It's because of the old nature. But the old nature died. When did it die? When Christ died on the cross, it died. It's gone. It's been done away with. The body of sin has been done away with. Just as much as you've been healed by the stripes of Jesus, the body of sin has been done away with. Is that something that we access through through faith? Now, if I, if I plant an orange seed, what do I get? Okay, anybody ever plant an orange seed and get cherries? Okay, so the result, the result of the seed determines the nature of the plant. Okay, what was the seed that was planted in Eve? It was a lie. It was a lie, and it produced what? It produced corruption. It produced death. But we have been born again of an incorruptible seed. The new man is born of the incorruptible seed, and the new man cannot sin. Just as Jesus did not sin, because it's the word of God. But the old man is operating under a lie. And so we have the ability, depending upon who's ruling and running in our lives, at any given moment, the old man or the new man. But what most Christians don't understand is the new man has been taken care of. But very few of us are acting by faith to actually deal with the old man. And we say, well, that's just the old man. He's up. He's, I messed up. Well, sure you did. But you don't have to continue to do that. You can actually have victory over the old man if you confess God's word and continue and every time you fall down like a small child, you get back up, you declare God's word, and you go on. Yeah. Therefore, gird your loins of your mind and be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that has been brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts of your, as in your ignorance, but also as he calls you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. In the Greek, that says, become holy 
It is a process. Become holy, for I am holy. God doesn't have to become holy. He's already holy. He's always been holy. He always will be holy. But we have to go through the process of becoming holy. So it's a sanctification that occurs with time. And it occurs with dedication and applying the things we've talked about tonight. So you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but you were redeemed with the blood of Jesus and the word of God. And so the new man, it says that if you're born again, what all things have passed away, other things have been made new. You're a new creation. What does that mean? That means it's totally separate and new and based on God's word. All right? And so he came to take away our sins and he came to let him be for us to be like him. So this happened from before the world began. God had this plan. This isn't like this isn't like plan B. All right? This was what God intended from the very very beginning. So we have scriptures that tell us that, both from Matthew and Revelation and many, many places. So Paul says that he's been crucified with Christ. He no longer lives, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So there you have grace and truth together. So what I wanted to do tonight was I wanted to explain very clearly this grace and this truth and how they work together. And I read you scriptures because I want you to see that I didn't create this. This is not a commentary I got from somewhere or some. This is directly from the word of God. Because we have to build our doctrine on the truth of God's word. And we have to know that. We have to know that. And maybe you know some of those scriptures, but maybe you'd never put them together quite like we did tonight for you to see the connection. Maybe you didn't understand that you don't have to put up with the old man. You don't have to put up with sin in your life because God will set you free from that through faith and through confessing his word. So as, the, as we close the service tonight, I want you to examine your own hearts. We all need to examine our hearts every day. We need to come before the Lord in a humble way, submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. And we need to walk closer with the Lord. Now, I'm not really discouraged about who's here tonight and who's not here, except to say this. I don't know how anybody could listen to the last two Sunday sermons and not be here tonight. I'm glad that you're here. Let us also continue to pray for those else, for those other people in our body so that we would all catch fire to move towards the Lord with a sincere heart. Because I don't think this, this is a great group and God's going to do wonderful things. We've got more than 12. We're in good shape. Okay, but at the same time, I, just think, I, I was just thinking this morning, how could someone, when, when Jonathan talked about coming tonight, not because I'm the one here, but, but how could you not be here? So I just want to pray for them as well. And, but let's just pray and open our hearts to the Lord tonight and let God do what he wants to do. Thank you.